It's American Thanksgiving, and that has major implications for the NHL playoff race. And on today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast, Nick Zoros and I are going to get into that, plus all things NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Thursday edition for the Locked On NHL podcast. I am Hunter Hodes, one of your hosts. I'm also one of the hosts of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Joined as always now by Nick Zararis, one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Flames podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners out there. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. So Nick, as always, every Thursday, we have the latest edition of the Power Rankings as voted on by the hosts of all the Locked On NHL podcasts. And for this week, you know, we have some changes. I mean, there aren't too, too many. I mean, you saw Tampa and Detroit swap spots a little bit. The Metro kind of stayed the same, though. Nashville went up a couple spots, especially after a big win against the Avalanche earlier this week. And I can't believe the Avalanche lost that game. <laughs> by the way, you had Arizona move a little bit, Minnesota. Calgary, Edmonton. When you look at this, who rose and who fall, what really surprised you, I think, from this past week? I mean, pretty much everything makes sense as far as where people are going. I think it's very, I think it's interesting because we talked about it last week and the week before that everybody was just kind of waiting for Minnesota to get it together because we're all banking on the talent they have to kind of get them out of this rough patch and fix the issues they've had. But it hasn't really materialized for them. I know Bill Guerin went on a show this week where he was talking about how what's going on is unacceptable, that they're not going to use the cap penalties from Suter and Parisi as an excuse for not being competitive, that they still expect to be competitive right now. So it, it them finally getting appropriately scored kind of where they are. Edmonton same thing same type of team where we expect them to be better and they their ranking had been a little more generous than their results probably should have had them but now now that we're getting into the season now we're about almost two full months in people are starting to get a better understanding of who's actually what as opposed to the first month or so where we're just kind of trying to get as much evidence as we can it's obviously very early there are teams that will move up and down especially as the season develops but things are starting to take shape for the nhl at large i agree and you know you know the stat that's out there over 75 percent of teams that are usually in a playoff spot by thanksgiving usually make it by the end American of the Thanksgiving. Make sure American you say Thanksgiving, that. Of course. Yes, no, oh, absolutely. So this is a big week around the league. And, you know, you mentioned Minnesota. Man, they have just not been good this year, man. It's really yeah. upsetting to see because that's a really good market. There's a lot of high-end talent there, but they haven't gotten the goaltending. They haven't gotten some of the scoring that I think they thought they were going to get. And, I mean, sure, you could fire Dina Dason as the head coach, but – I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, Billy, at least Billy Guerin, like he was speaking to the media this week. He didn't sound like he wants to fire the head coach at all. I think he wants the players to try to figure it out for themselves. But they were the biggest fallers from last week's power rankings to this week's, and they just haven't been good enough this year. 
No, they haven't put it together. And the way they're constructed, they put a lot of their burden of scoring on their on their first line of Kaprizov, Zuccarello, and Eriksson Ek when they have the three of them together. That's really the only offense they get. Matt Boldy hasn't been as good as he was last year. Matt Boldy was great last year. He had 30-something goals. He was mm-hmm. really good. Ryan Hartman doesn't seem like he's going to be the 70-point guy he was three years ago. He's more of a middle, bottom six type guy as opposed to a high-end guy. They have time. There's enough talent. The goaltending is really the big issue that's holding them back from being able to make a leap. But real quick, moving along in this conversation, Calgary won a couple games there, kind of – they stopped circling the drain for a minute there. It did look like the flames were just the season was over eight games into the season where they lost, I want to say five or six in a row. And then they came out and said, well, yeah, we had contract offers on the table, but we pulled all of those because we're not sure we're ready. It makes sense for us to give out long-term contracts. It's the team we are. They, they won on Monday against Seattle, relatively convincing. They had a good win over the weekends too. So they're getting closer to what they're supposed to be. They're still not great but they're better than they've been but again now that we're getting into obviously this is in crunch time you know we're 15 games into the season but the nhl once guys get into those top spots especially one or two they typically stay up there those teams that get that high in the standings don't come crashing down if they're at the if they're that high at this point in the season i agree and it'll be interesting to see i know the flames have been playing you know at least a little bit better as of late, but I don't know if that's going to be good enough for them to keep some of their high-end talent that I know are on the trade block right now, Nick, Lindholm, Hannafin, Tanev, those types of guys. And, you know, the Oilers, they dropped a little bit this past week too. They started to play a little bit better after they made the coaching change, but now they've lost a couple in a row. They're still at the bottom of the Pacific Division right now. Well, not as low as the Sharks, but they're still only – 5-11-1 and 11 and one this season. It's just not good enough from them. And I think at this point, I hate saying it just because things can change. I know how good Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are, but I just don't see it with them right now. Oh, no. It's going to take something dramatic for them to get back into the mix here. We're not just talking about, oh, they've had some bad luck fundamentally they are not a good hockey team right now i mean you have jack campbell playing in the ahl he had a good start in the ahl which is progress for them but Stuart skinner nowhere near as good as he was last year calvin pickard has gotten in games for them i forgot that guy existed like their defense is the issue as good as mcdavid and dry are their team defense is just not nearly what it needs to be i know that evan bouchard is good He's basically the only defenseman on the team I have trust in right now. Like even Ekholm, before before he started, he missed a couple games. I wasn't that impressed with them. The Oilers are good enough, and the Pacific Division is mid enough where they will hang around. I don't know if the Ducks are going to keep playing this way. It's very hard to keep playing the way they're playing and consistently win. I think the Oilers are too good to be totally ruled dead, but they're not. They're close to life support, is the way I would describe them right now. And they still need to go out and get a goalie, I think. I mean, we also I don't think they can wait. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. And you saw you saw the report from Elliot Friedman. They were in Montreal looking at all of those goalies. I'm sorry, Nick. I don't think any of those guys are really gonna move the needle that much for the Oilers, but you I feel like you have to try almost anything at this point. Yeah, you got I, to I just don't think they're that good, though, is my thing. I think you have to try to swing a little bit higher, but I also don't know what other teams are looking to move a decent goalie this early in the season. That's the thing that works against the parody that's within the NHL is nobody thinks they're out of it until close to the deadline, especially as late as the deadline is where, you know, you only have 15, 20 games left in the season. By that point, teams are ready to wave the white flag and say, okay, it's about next year. 
I mean, there are goalies out there. You could probably go and get a Jake Allen. You could probably go out and if you wanted to talk yourself into one of Gustafson or Marc-Andre Fleury, you could talk yourself into Daniel Vladar. You could talk yourself into John Gibson, but the Ducks are too good right now to do that. That's the issue. There are too many teams that are still kind of in the mix that they're not going to be willing to trade a goalie because that would be waving the flag on their season. Right. I, I agree with you on that. And for Marc-Andre Fleury, this is potentially his last season. I don't know if he would agree to go to Edmonton for his final year, especially with that situation right now. But I don't know. They got to try something at some point. Because Stuart Skinner, for as good as he was last year, he was pretty solid last year. Yeah, he made the All-Star game. He had 40 wins. He had a two, like four goals against, which pretty solid. He was good. He was actively good last year. Yeah, he, he was. And it's unfortunate that it hasn't, clicked the same way this year than you know jack campbell they were trying to send in the ahl to get himself right but that hasn't been the case either so they're down bad right now when it comes to that position any other team that you want to discuss before we move to the second segment though oh real quick i'll pull them up here so everybody who's watching on youtube can see the thing that stands out to me is this there are a lot of teams that i still don't know exactly what they are Basically, everybody in fifth place down in every division, aside from Pittsburgh, in which case I would say Washington in that division, everybody from fourth down, excuse me, fifth down in every division, aside from Pittsburgh, I just don't know what to make of yet. And part of that's a product of it being very early. I know you see Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, the Flyers, the Islanders, Nashville, Arizona, Winnipeg, not Winnipeg, excuse me, Minnesota. Words are hard sometimes. Edmonton, Calgary, Seattle, even Anaheim. Like there are just a lot of teams right now that they're not in a playoff spot right now. But I wouldn't be totally astounded if they ended up in a playoff spot, which is what's so interesting about that stat we cited at the top, the 77%, is you feel like a lot of these teams are very much still alive, even though they haven't shown you anything yet. Right. And it's funny, you know, the Red Wings, they were at the top of the Atlantic to start the season. And they've already gone down to number five. That just shows what can change after the first week or two of the season. Speaking, honestly, of those middle class of teams, Nick and I are going to get into that right after this. All right, we're back here on this special Thanksgiving edition, American Thanksgiving edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Nick Zaras. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. So, Nick, I'm going to hand the floor over to you right now. What do you make of some of those middle class of teams? We were kind of discussing it a little bit last week when it comes to a team like Nashville. I still don't know what to make of that kind of team. They had a very funny win earlier this week when they were down by a goal in the final minute of the third, they tied up against Colorado. Oh, and then they win it 20 seconds later. I think the Avalanche's controller just disconnected there in the final minute. That was a good win for them. Probably their win of the season so far, but I still don't know what to make of this team considering they're seven and 10 through 17 games. Yes. They've won a couple games in a row, but I still don't think they're a playoff team as of right now. Obviously, that can change as we go later in the season, especially if UC Soros plays a bit better because he started off the season a bit rough. But that's just the first team that comes to me, comes to mind to me, excuse me, when it comes to, I guess, the middling or the middle class part where I don't know what direction they want to go in, but I feel like I know what direction they should be going in, I guess. 
So the thing that's interesting about the middle class is there's a lot of paths to get here. There are a lot of different teams that fall into this category. There are the teams who, you know, a little bit older, maybe already won a championship, and they're kind of still figuring out what their post-championship window looks like. Then you have younger teams who thought they were ready to make the leap. You have teams that unexpectedly made it, have made a bit of a leap so far. So the way I categorize the middle class were the teams that were from like 12th to 20th in the overall NHL. So you've got Washington, St. Louis, Detroit, Seattle, um, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, New Jersey, the Islanders, and Buffalo. That's the middle class of the NHL right now, that configuration. And we, t- I, I started with it, and I think that's the most logical place to start, is the teams that have already done, accomplished what they've set out to do. Teams like Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Washington, that group that they're not quite ready to rebuild yet, but they're not bad enough where rebuilding would make sense. So they're just kind of hanging on. Like Washington's been a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect them to be this competitive so far. It's largely been goaltending. If you go under the hood, a lot of their stats are pretty ugly, frankly. But they're making do right now. I mean, their power play is pretty mediocre. Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin has four goals hasn't done anything this year either. He only has four goals. He's their leading point scorer with nine, which is crazy through, you know, 16 games. But I mean, I was shocked to see TJ Oshie only has one point in 15 games. Like they're really kind of piecing it together best they can at this point in the season. Pittsburgh got out to a really rough start, but over the last two weeks or so has started to match their underlying results, which are pretty strong. And then the Blues are also another team very surprising. And I went under the hood and it's Bennington. Bennington has been actively good for them this year. And I just didn't think we'd ever see that again. Right. I mean, he's been really bad the last couple of years. I mean, last year, sub sub 900 save percentage for the season, just wasn't good enough as a whole, signed that massive contract extension, was looking pretty overpaid for a while, but, you know, he's really started to go back to his 2019 form. He's been very good. He's he's sixth in goals saved above expected, if I'm reading. Yeah, he's Mm -hmm. got nine goals saved above expected, and I want to say 11 starts, which, you know, if you're stealing a goal a game, you're a good goalie, and he's been very good for them so far. Their core is interesting. Same thing with Washington, same thing with Pittsburgh. Like, you've got the guys who are there, guys like Pareko, Bennington, those older pieces like Justin Falk and Tori Krug and Kevin Hayes and Braden Shen. No, Luke Shen, excuse me, and Luke Shen. And then you've got guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and Pavel Buchnevich. And then you talk about it in respect to Washington. Yeah, they've still got Ovechkin and Wilson and um, Backstrom, not back, but Backstrom, but he's hurt, but Carlson, the guys who won. And then you've got that next wave of guys like Verona and Sonny Milano and Dylan Strom and uh, Rasmus Sandin. Pittsburgh, same thing, where a lot of their younger, not even younger, just guys who weren't on the winning teams, you know, those older types like Raquel and Brian Rust and Riley Smith, those older pieces that are just kind of bolted on to what was already here. It's just really interesting to see how teams approach winning, because that's basically the burden. Once you win, you get looted by the other teams for your bottom six guys. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say Tampa. I mean, we just saw that happen with them, Nick, when they won their back-to-back Stanley Cups, and then when they went to the third, I mean... Coleman's gone, Yanni Gord, Alex Kalorn, Andre Palat. I'm probably missing a few in there, to be honest. But they were all poached by other teams. And they've done their best replacing them, but it's still, I don't know, it's not as good as that supporting cast was. That's for sure. And then, you know, I'm still kind of surprised that Buffalo continues to be in this middling class. 
I predicted them to make the playoffs this year just because I was really high on their offense. I thought Devin Levi was going to take that next step. I thought the Sabres as a whole were going to take that next step. But I think I'm realizing just how hard it is for teams to take that next step and be playoff teams. I mean, the Sabres had that really fun finish to the year last year where, I mean, they were in that race all the way up to the end, played meaningful hockey at the end of a season for the first time in probably 10 years. But they just haven't put the pieces in place yet. The Tage Thompson injury is also such a killer man. But overall, I don't know. I guess I'm just disappointed that they haven't taken that next step yet, as well as maybe a team like Ottawa. Detroit's trying to as well. I think overall it's just really hard to take that next step in this league. It's very hard to take that next step, and you'll notice the recurring theme amongst all of those teams is goal goaltending instability. I mean, yeah. it's really hard to win when you don't have consistent goaltending in this league, no matter how good the rest of your roster is. Buffalo's got a decent team. They're missing their best player in Tage, which is rough, but their young guys are interesting enough. Like, I like Dylan Cousins' game. Casey Middlestad's taken a while, but he's a useful NHL player. Jack Quinn isn't bad. And then, as you mentioned, Power and Deline are both very good. Ottawa, similar boat where you've got individual guys you like in that group, but they're still just, they don't have the right mix of guys around their core. Detroit, good out of the gate. I mean, Detroit, and I wrote it down here because I thought it was really interesting that even though they're kind of struggling now, they had something like 102 PDO right now, and they've really kind of taken their lumps the last few weeks because they came out of the gate scorching hot, and they've really struggled the last two weeks or so to kind of maintain that early pace. They're not out of it by any stretch, but you thought maybe okay they're ready to break through and then real quick we'll get in here we'll get this in under the wire just the groups that just you don't know what's going on where it's, it seems like the islanders nashville arizona arizona's a little bit different where they might be ready to break through but those teams that are supposed to be good that just haven't been there like the devils i know they're injured but for teams like nashville teams like even st louis who's been okay but those types of teams where i just don't know what the plan is I find them interesting because it feels like they're leaving a lot of the future of the team based on what happens on the ice, which just like as an executive, I would feel like, hey, maybe I should have a little bit more of a hands on to how my job security is going to go. I'm still kind of baffled by the Islanders plan. I mean, I don't think they're good enough to contend. I also don't think they're bad enough to be a lottery team unless they didn't have Ilya Sorokin. I think if they didn't have Ilya Sorokin, they would probably be very close to a lottery team despite some of the talent that they have up front. But it's obvious that they haven't figured it out to this point. I don't know if they're going to by the end of the season. That's actually a team, and we discussed coaching changes on last week's show. That's a team that I think you could see a coaching change. I'm shocked it didn't happen this week. Yeah, sooner rather than later. And it's obvious they also don't want to fire Lou Lamorello. They're going to let him go out whenever he wants, I think, even though I think he should be forced the door because they didn't do enough this off season to really improve heading into the year. I don't think they're going to label him as the fall guy. I think they're going to label Lambert as the fall guy. So it's, it's really curious about their direction. I just don't really know what their plan is. I think so. We'll have to see what happens with the Islanders on that one. And that will wrap up this second segment. Coming up to end the show, Nick and I get going to get into what teams we're keeping an eye on after American Thanksgiving into the month of December and beyond. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host Nick Zarara. So, Nick, who do you really have your eye on heading into 
the final week of November, December, January, second half of the season, all that good stuff. I'm waiting for the Devils to get going here. I'm waiting for Carolina to get going here. I know those teams are in second and third in their division, but we were talking about those teams as like 105, 110 standing points types teams coming into the year. And right now they're kind of at like high 90s paces. So the Devils are getting healthy. Jack Hughes was back over the weekend. Nico Heischer skated, I want to say this morning or yesterday. And Timo Meyer should be back on relatively soon. Uh, the Hurricanes, we talked about it last week. It just hasn't really gelled the way it typically does for them. That group of teams there. And then really the only other teams I'm curious about that I'm keeping my eye on are the teams that are kind of overachieving right now. Teams like Washington, teams like the Ducks, teams like Winnipeg, the Blues, those teams that I, I see why they're being successful right now. And it is possible they could play this way the entire season. I'm just very curious to see how it shakes out for them. Not so much in like regards to how far they can go or how high they can get in the standings. I just want to see how adaptable the way they've been playing is for a long, longer stretch of the season. And you even, I think, forgot one of the teams that's surprising a little bit so far this season in Nick, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers. They've been pretty solid under John Tortorella so far this season. And I know he, his teams always are playing hard, but 10 and seven and one through the first 18 games, 21 points, only Four points behind the Rangers for first in the Metropolitan Division, though they, the Rangers do have two games in hand on them. The Flyers have won five in a row heading into Wednesday night. Travis Sandheim's been very good this year, and to think that he could be a St. Louis Blue right now if that Tory Krug trade goes through and he actually agrees to waive his NTC, but that didn't happen. Travis Konechny's been very good, 11 goals so far this season. Cam Atkinson's been very solid. Sean Couturier has come back, 13 points in 16 games. But I think one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reasons, why the Flyers have been playing well, Carter Hart. You know, yeah. 10 games started, 6-3 and three record overall, 2.4 goals against average, 9.19 save percentage, pretty good goal save above expected as well. He had a good year last year before the wheels kind of went in the opposite direction for the Flyers, and he's following that up with another pretty solid year. I don't expect this to last an entire season, but – I'm definitely still a bit surprised that the Flyers are playing this well, considering that they're rebuilding. Yeah, it it's a testament to the kind of coach Tortorella is and the guys on that team that they could have came in, phoned it in, and nobody would have paid a lick of attention. No one would have cared if the Flyers came out and were one of the five worst teams in the entire league. Even Flyers fans would have been like, good, we're tanking. That's a good thing. And it's it's a testament to that group that they didn't just phone it in this year that they got guys who are bought in they've got some interesting pieces like i like owen tippett's game i like travis sandheim's game who you mentioned travis sandheim somebody i feel like i've whose name i've been hearing since like 2015 waiting for him to finally click and perform at the nhl level i mean the flyers have churned through a lot of defensemen over the years trying to find their guys they've gone through provorov gosta spare so many different iterations and pairs but if i it seems like sandheim is a guy cam york somebody who to keep an eye on for them on that back end as well and then one more team in this category i just want to see what washington does like i i don't mm. understand how they're winning because how little they're scoring like i said they just aren't putting the puck in the net a whole lot but they're still finding ways to win hockey games charlie lingwin has been a rock for the yes he has with with and in the place of darcy kemper excuse me i know kemper's been a bit banged up this year but lingwin has really stepped in and has provided some great goaltending for the Capitals. I don't know how long that's going to last. And it's funny, it didn't look like the Capitals were even going to sniff 25 wins after the way they started the season. They looked really bad in their first three to four games under new coach Spencer Carberry. Credit to him. He's cleaned that team up a little bit. But 
I don't know how much longer Lindgren is going to play at this level, considering I think throughout his career, Nick, he's just kind of been a backup, but he's been a pretty solid backup though throughout his career. I just don't think he's ever played this much to start a season. So I'll be curious to follow this one throughout the rest of the season. I agree with you overall on the Ducks too. I, I hope that this lasts a bit longer. I mean, 9-9 through 18 games, 5-5 five and five in the last 10 games. They're actually fun to watch this year after how bad they were last year. I'm hoping, again, that they can continue it because there is a lot of really fun young talent there. And I'll say this as well again. I want to see what the Oilers can do, man. Can they get some momentum going? Can they get some better goaltending? If that can happen, they can get back into the playoff rates. It's a very long and tough road. But if they can start getting some saves, Connor McDavid and Leon start to cook a bit more. This team can find themselves right back in the race. I, the Oilers are good enough to get back in the race very quickly. It's early. Yeah. They can do it. Watching them and in this category of who I'm keeping an eye on, no matter what, I'm keeping an eye on the Oilers because either they're going to continue to be a punching bag and everyone will keep making fun of them and they'll be mildly entertaining online, or they'll start winning hockey games and McDavid will go back to being a Super Saiyan. One of the two. So no matter what, you win if you're watching the Oilers. Absolutely. And I guess one more team before we wrap this one up. Seattle, Nick. 7, 8, and 5 overall this season. I don't think they're as bad as their record is right now. I do think no. they are a better team than this. They just also got to get a little bit better goaltending as well. They're built in a way that not a lot of other teams around the league are built. Sure, they don't have that superstar player, but they're very deep overall, especially at forward. Again, I don't think they're as good as they were last year, but I don't think they're as bad as they were this year. I think they're somewhere in the middle, a team that's fighting to get into the playoffs. I'm going to be really curious to see if they turn it around as well. I feel like the vast majority of teams where they're in these positions because they don't have the goaltending, like yeah. even Nashville, like once if Soros gets going, I think Nashville can hang around in this a lot longer than they probably should. But the vast majority of the teams we talked about in that middle class segment, the Devils, the Islanders, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Seattle, none of the Detroit, Ottawa, the goaltending hasn't just it hasn't been as good as it's needed to be to buoy what else might be working for them. So it's just a testament to to how important it is where if you have one of those good guys and this is an entirely different conversation i'm sure we'll visit down the line but if you've got one of those five six best goalies in the league type guys you got to do what you can and yeah that might put you in a rough spot cap wise where you're overpaying for goaltending and you'd rather put that into goal scoring but if you've got stability stability at that position is just so valuable because there's 25 of the 32 teams every year just don't know what they have in that Right, and I've never really been a big believer in paying goaltenders unless you are one of the five to six to seven best goaltenders on the planet. You know, whether that's Igor Shosturkin, whether that's Sorokin, whether that's Hellebuck, Saros, you can put Ottinger, Ottinger excuse me, in there as well. Unless you're one of those five guys, plus a couple others that I know I didn't mention, I apologize about that, you probably should not be paying that much money for goaltending. And I'm sure we'll have that discussion at some point down the line on one of these shows, Nick. But I think that'll do it, though, for this Thursday edition of the Locked on NHL podcast. We really appreciate everyone listening to slash watching this episode. We'll be back again next week to discuss the latest power rankings, biggest movers, and then other topics around the NHL that come up as well. So again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode for you all next Thursday.